Every minute, every moment counts. Hello, I'm Julie Hyde, and I understand what it takes to make these moments count for leadership, business, and your life. This podcast will deliver insights and game-changing leadership moments that will allow you to level up and shine a light for those around you. Let's get into today's episode. Sometimes life doesn't always go to plan, which is why having a plan B is so important. And Shana Kennedy is just the person to help us out with that. So welcome to the podcast, Shana. Thank you for having me. I feel really privileged to be here today. Yes, thank you. And to give our listeners a little bit of insight into who you are. So Shana is a master life strategist and coach well-being specialist, best-selling author of The Life Plan. She is one of Australia's foremost strategic coaches with 20 years experience and she works to transform her clients' careers, mental health, well-being and life plans. Shana lives and dances with chronic fatigue syndrome and depression and is committed to high performance personally and professionally and living her best and most energetic life based on her values and commitment to authenticity. She's also the best-selling author of Plan B, and this is what we're going to dive deeper into today because if there's something that I have had to learn very quickly, it's that you really do need to have a Plan B. So shall we jump straight into it, Shana? Oh, absolutely. And I apologize for my post-COVID voice at the same time. (laughs) You sound being great. Authentic, being authentic. I have a, a very different voice at the moment. <laughs> Sounds a little husky. It's yeah. been working for you, I think. Oh, maybe. <laughs> maybe. Yeah. Now, this podcast is called Making It Count. So what is one thing that you are doing to really make it count in your world? Well, I think it is a commitment to giving people space to, you know, really just explore themselves in a such a beautiful, safe space through coaching. And I I think I'll be a coach for the rest of my life. It's my calling. And not many people have a safe space to really explore their thoughts, feelings, and what's happening. I make it count by living a life of gratitude. You know, I every day try and make today really count for myself and to enjoy it. This, this one day on the planet that we'll never get back again. We'll just never get today ever again. So let's make it work. Yes, I love that. So really enjoying each day. And I I love also what you said about giving people space because space is so important to be able to process, to think, to tap into your intuition, to tune into what's going on within your body and be able to hear the messages. So space is so important. And I think for people, just space to think about themselves. And, And as a coach, that's your job is to to really give people that hour just to stop, get off the treadmill and just let's just sit together and process what's happening and unpack it and repack it and reframe it and then you can get back on your treadmill um, a different person. Now, talking about reframing, in the intro I mentioned that you live and dance with chronic fatigue and depression and for something that I am sure is a huge challenge, that is such a positive way to describe it. And it really struck me when I, you know, read that. And has this been a, a conscious reframe for you? And how has that made a difference? A very conscious reframe. So when you have chronic fatigue, you wake up every day feeling like you've been hit by a truck. I never wake up feeling good ever. 
And, you know, you can get really down about it. You can, you can have the chip on your shoulder. You know, for 20 years I've had this. So I've really worked hard to think about how can I, how can I live with this where it's not a burden? And, and I, I just came up with the words dance you know how you sometimes you dance slow and then fast and then you sort of have to move with whatever's happening in the body at the time. And I find that that allows me to live a lot lighter. You know, my brain's a lot lighter because I want to, I'm going to dance with it for the rest of my life. There is like a crack in your system. It's like you've got this beautiful engine and now it's like got a nice crack down the middle. And every time you put the foot down too hard, the crack appears. And I think that it's a, it's a very fine dance that I play on that line of going over the line and having severe consequences again and been treading right up to the line where I really want to have an incredible, great, full life of achievement and fulfilment and, and joy. So, yeah, I sort of came up with some wording in my reframing a long time ago that allowed me not to be really resentful, really resentful, because I can't do the things, a lot of the things that I want to do. Yeah, I totally understand that. And I think I'm going to adopt that whole dance philosophy because I really love it. Like you say, sometimes you dance slow and then you go faster and, you know, different tempos. And I think that's really, really empowering and really relevant when you're going through a challenge. And even, even life, like through life, you go through challenges all through yeah. life. And, you know, you might dance with anxiety. You might dance with with overwhelm you might dance with depression it just means it comes in in waves that are big sometimes and small sometimes but it's there and ever present you've got that partner that you're going through life with and I don't want to say I live with it because that's just oh that's a bit burdening for me so dancing with it means oh it's okay it's a partner for life and I I've got to accept that and and celebrate that that's that's what I, the cards I was dealt Absolutely. So let's talk about your book plan B because which is something that you say has always been your philosophy and I'm sure that the chronic fatigue may have been a catalyst for this or was it has it always been the philosophy for you all through your life? My illness actually was the gift in the end and it's it sort of come out now 20 years later but my philosophy was everyone should have a life plan because the the brain needs a roadmap and and working with high-performance elite athletes, you know, they didn't have a plan for post-sport and there was just such big consequence. People who don't have a life plan, who don't know who they are without their job and identified themselves by their title, always fell very, very hard. So my passion 20 years ago was about teaching people how to develop who you are without your job. The confident, calm person who knew who they were, didn't matter what ride they were getting on, what job they had. The detour is plan B. It's when you get thrown that curveball. And so over the 20 years of coaching, I've seen a lot of curveballs, divorces, you know, business collapse, relationship breakdowns in some ways, people also climbing the ladder. You know, it was also how do I adapt to that change of more responsibility, et cetera. It could be the health crisis. So there's a lot of curveballs out there and there's no map. And so I was teaching the map the whole time. And then when we went into that first lockdown in 2020, all of my speaking engagements were cancelled in a week. And I went, oh, here's, here's another curveball for me. Why don't I go and write down in bullet point form 
the map for when you have to do a detour to go back to your plan later on. So I see it all as a detour. And that's why throughout the book, it's actually got the road. So you feel like, okay, I'm just going on a detour and there's a few speed humps and there's some roadworks, but I will get back onto my plan. And when we have that in our brain, it's like there's always a pathway through. But unless you go through these stages, it's going to be a really long detour. The brain must go through these stages. So I wanted to give people who are going through divorce or, or like yourself, a major health scare, please just follow the map and there's a pathway through. And don't try and race ahead of the map. You've got to actually go through each part of the map and then you won't get bitten later down the track. If we sweep it all under the carpet and we don't feel the feelings, we don't name them, we don't understand grief because grief can last for 20 years, if we don't actually go through these things and try and understand them, then what I find is people then, you know, turn to alcohol, turn to painkillers and and become quite destructive. Yeah, that makes sense. And the book is so beautifully presented as well. It's just gorgeous to sort of sit there and read through and you can even have it on your coffee table and it's just so, so easy to digest and to work through. And there's a quote in your book from Oprah Winfrey, challenges are Gifts that force us to search for a new centre of gravity. Don't fight them. Just find a new way to stand. And that deeply resonates with me too because I was knocked right off kilter when I found out that I had, you know, the stage three melanoma. And I certainly needed to find a new centre of gravity. But in that, to do that, I really had to accept my situation rather than be in complete denial of it or rather than fight it, which which wasn't easy at the time. So is acceptance the key to moving forward? I believe so because until you fully accept, you cannot create a new narrative. You cannot create a new plan. It's like there's a detour sign on the road. And you're going, no, no, I don't want to go down the detour. Um, No, no, I'm just going to keep trying to sit in this traffic moving forward. No, no, the road is blocked. You have to detour. And when you accept that, well, we're going to be late to our appointment because we're going on detour, you you go round to the next next lane. And I, I think that in the brain, when we can accept, it says, okay, now I know I need a new map. I need new plans. I need new purpose in my day when we don't accept and we're in that fight mode the whole time it doesn't mean that we surrender it means that we can fight a new fight and I think that's really important for people they've got to accept that that marriage is over we have to accept that there is a cancer in the body we have to accept that and then we go okay well it's here now I can fight if we keep pushing it away and being angry and being resentful and we have to go through those stages. That's part of grieving, mind you. There are the six stages to grief that you have to go through. But once you get through some of those stages and acknowledge them, which is so important, you've got to be angry, you've got to be resentful, you've got to go through shock, you've got to go through the numbness. If you follow the the seven stages that are right there in the book, you'll actually see oh, I'm I'm moving through them because I'm actually acknowledging them. Then we can create new, the plan B. And then we get excited about plan B because the brain needs, oh, I've got something to hold on to now. 
We are all leaders, but you cannot be a leader of others unless you are a leader of self first. Over the past two decades, I've empowered hundreds of leaders to deliver positive impact to the business they are representing, resulting in extraordinary sales growth and high staff retention rates. I'm often asked the question, how can I work with you, Julie? Here's how. I present one-hour keynotes to corporations, providing practical tools and strategies for leaders and their teams to take control of busy, to be intentional with their actions and achieve the high performance results that they're looking for. I also work one-on-one with a select few ambitious and courageous leaders who understand the key to creating their success starts with them. So if you'd like to connect, you can find me at juliehyde.com.au. And it's just sometimes it's just not easy to see that when you're sitting in that moment of denial or just frustration or anger that this has happened. It's like I don't want it to be this way. And you mentioned grief, and I think we can all now relate to grief because we've all been through COVID universally. We've had this massive disruption happen to our lives and how we how we lived fundamentally was completely turned upside down a couple of years ago. You know, we were locked in our homes. We couldn't go to work. The majority of us couldn't go to work. So it was a huge challenge. And so you just talked about embracing the grief and that we have to go through all of these stages of grief, unfortunately, and it can take a while. Can you just share a little bit more about why that's so important? Like why, why do we have to work through that rather than like I know some of us are very good at like just sort of pushing it away or pushing it down and focusing forward, thinking, no, everything's fine. I'm just going to push through. Because at the end of the day, we're human beings. We're not machines. You know, if, if, if there's a storm comes through and your tomato plant's ripped up a bit from the storm, it takes time. It doesn't fix overnight. We can't spray all this stuff on and say quickly grow back. It's a process. And we need to go through those those processes in order to heal. And, you know, grief is a natural process that we go through whenever we experience change. Just moving home, you know, everybody who was moving home saying, I can't work from home, now everyone's home going, I can't go back to the office. You know, change, humans are terrible at change. We take a long time and it can affect us in a variety of ways. So it can be emotions, thoughts, feelings, moods, behaviours, relationships, sense of self and identity. And it can leave you feeling, you know, sad and lonely and overwhelmed and stressed and isolated and numb, or it could just sit in the background. And so for a lot of people last couple of years, when we were talking about all of this, they were saying, why am I feeling so lonely or so sad? And I'd say, you're grieving. You're grieving that you're not at the office. You can't see your mum in hospital. We can't have access to people in our home. We're only allowed out one hour a day. It's actually grieving. And so it was really nice for people then to label their emotions. Oh, I'm grieving. There's nothing wrong with me. I'm actually just grieving. So that is a the permission piece. And now I, I really think we should be taught the grief cycle at school. But for you, Julie, it's about understanding those beautiful stages because sometimes 20 years later, I'm still in, I go into stage one. But it might just be for a fleeting moment now. It's not for very long. But I'm like, oh, it's, it's, it comes in like a cloud, like dancing with it. 
that I can't do something or I have to leave the party first because, you know, it's 9.30, (laughs) you know, I've got to get out of there. So I think that if you can understand it, then you can move with it all the time without all of that resistance and um, it really does make life much, much better, much easier and you do see the gift Then the gift is, you know, for someone like me and and possibly it will come for you where it is I live so mindfully now, so gratefully now, with such depth now. I don't have to be the A-type overachieving perfectionist achievement junkie anymore. I still want to be a high-performance person and still very much value achievement, but it's a much healthier version of achievement. And maybe the achievement of the day is that I, I did my breathing, that I actually noticed the bird that just flew across the lawn in front of me here, that I actually took in so many joy moments, whereas without this, I think I would just be a crazy A-type, overachieving lunatic out there on the treadmill of life. So I feel like I'm watching a movie of everybody else, but I'm performing the same as them, but there's so much depth. Yeah, that makes so much sense. And like you say, yeah, we should be taught the stages of grief. Like, you know, for to be a revelation when you're an adult, that's not ideal because I remember even when I decided I was going to leave my corporate career that I had grown up in, so that was half of my life pretty much, I grieved, I suppose, the belonging that I had to that organisation that I didn't have anymore. And at the time, I couldn't work out what was going on for me. Like I was so sad that I was leaving, whereas I should have been so happy that I was going to something, you know, that I was creating for myself, which was my new business. I couldn't work out what it was at the time. You have to grieve in order to grow and to move forward. And we're not machines, we're humans. So whether it is cancer, whether it is leaving a job, whether it is a relationship, you can't jump. It's just not possible. We have to go through these cycles. And if you can understand them or you can see them, like I put them in the book in front of you just in bullet point, it just helps the mind think about, okay, there's nothing wrong with me. It's a natural process to go through you just left a family you left all that water cooler talk all those lunches all those chats in the elevator you know that's all gone when you go and start your own business and that's as much as we're excited to start our own business it's it's a huge loss and it's what happens to elite athletes when they leave their career that whole family the structure the team is all gone and then oh you've got to rebuild yourself And that was why the importance of having a life plan. Yes, exactly. So let's talk about the life plan. And can you share with us the four stages of what you call the journey to plan B? Yeah, so plan B is written actually in four stages. And you you have your life plan, which is your 20-year plan, ages and stages, you know, how you want to feel during your life. Not so much, oh, I want that car and that house and that money. But how do I want to feel in my 30s, in my 40s, in my 50s, in my 60s and really try and get the wording correct? And then we build in, you know, all of the goals and achievements. When you get the detour, which is the plan B, we have four stages that we have to go through on the detour. And the first one is to recognise and respond to the change. That's when what you've just been through, you get hit hard. It's like, whoa. I've got to stop and I need to take a breath. 
That's the first thing. If you fall off a bike, you don't get back on. You just stop, you breathe, you regather, recenter, you you just breathe in what the hell just happened. So it gives you permission to take a bit of a pause. And then we want to acknowledge our feelings and feel the fear. We want to feel everything. Then we go through the grief cycle and embrace the grief. And then we choose our story. What are we going to tell people? I'm going to say I dance with it rather than I have it and I have to live with it and it's a big burden. So, And knowing that this too shall pass, whatever stage that you're in, it's going to pass like a cloud. So that's the first stage. And some people might be in stage one for a year or a week or a day. But you have to go through that stage. Then we go into stage two, which is the healing. It's how we restore and we recover And we go into that incredible self-care. We sink right into self-care. We renew. We look at the four pillars of health, mental, physical, emotional, and spiritual. We renew everything. We spend time renewing. Why We don't want to jump straight away into something else. And then we learn how to practice maybe going out there again. We can practice saying yes to things and and come out of our cocoon and then we sort of start that hope and we start celebrating our small wins and we we say we've got this then we're ready for part three which is the major pivot in life which is where we redirect and we reset and we rebuild our foundation we go back to our values and our purpose we get really clear about what do you want right now what do you want now for the future you know what do you want now for the next two years of recovery or what you're going to go through and get really clear on, you know, what would make that feel okay, what's the path for the brain. Then we plant some new seeds and we set some nice boundaries on how to protect ourselves as we're navigating ourselves back out there and we create a new roadmap. We simplify our life, we create a new vision and we set some really simple new goals for ourselves. Whatever you're going through, divorce, health, business, Once you've healed, we start to reset. And then we choose a new cheer squad. You know, the people that we want to take on that detour journey to to get us back to that plan. And we create a new vision board. So what are the pictures that really work for you? And I've got a picture here, which I have on my computer, which is a girl who's got some balloons and she's running. She's a lady in her 50s, but her T-shirt's out, her hair's a bit messy, and she's got colourful balloons. Well, Well, that lady... I sat on my computer for two years, this one card that's in my vision board kits, and um, she talks to me every day, this picture that says, approach everything with lightness and joy. There's war, there's floods, there's people dying, there's sick parents, there's all kinds of things, but let's, let's just be her today. And I think she's really changed my life. So when you get a new visual for yourself that's fresh, that's inspiring, and you want to embody that feeling, that's part of the pivot. So you've got a new mindset. And then we stage four of the book is about the awakening and going, actually, this is really good. You know, I've, I've created this new life for myself and it's actually better than my old life. So it's that embarking on the journey again and powering up our happy habits, conquering any limiting beliefs that might come in and embracing the joy and creativity of the new you. And maybe plan B is better, actually, than plan A. And I think my life is better with chronic fatigue and depression, to tell the truth, because of my personality type. Maybe plan B is just different. 
It doesn't have to mean it's worse. It's just different. It's it's a different marriage. It's a it's a different business. We cannot compare. So the last part is actually about celebrating the fresh new look and feel and not comparing and maybe allowing it to be really great and being the light for other people. You know, you've got the opportunity to be the light. Uh, you've got the opportunity to experience a very grateful life. That's the journey through the book in a nutshell. But you can see you can't just skip to stage four, you, you know, which what people want to do. Yes, I must admit that was me when I picked it up and I was flicking through it when I first got it, which was pre the diagnosis, I was looking through, I'm like, oh, my God, I love the awakening part. <laughs> I think I just want to go there. <laughs> and people want to go there instantly and we're like, well, hang on, let's just create a safe space to maybe heal properly first, to really think about how you want to feel in the future. If you don't do that work, it's like redigging the soil. You know, don't just spray things on the plant. You know, go back to the soil, make sure it's rich, Make sure it's full of the nutrients that you need. Make sure it's aerated. There's a plan for it where we can water it every day and the plant will recover. We don't just go straight up to it and spray things on and say, hurry up. It just doesn't work. And we're the same. We're exactly the same. So giving ourselves permission to of time because on your 20-year plan, two or three years is fine, right, of a detour. So... 20 years' time, you look back and go, maybe that three years was when I did my best work on myself and I got to become friends with myself and I learnt about myself and and, and that's the beauty of Plan B and, and that's why it is, it is written um, and presented in a very simple bullet point style fashion because when you're in that stage, you actually can't read a book right? You cannot read a book, but you could read a bullet point or an infographic. So there's a lot of infographics there so that you don't have to read because you actually, I'm thinking about when I'm writing it, I went away and I wrote it in five days and I took myself on the journey. And, you know, day one was, it was, was the whole first chapter is what, what actually happens to all of my clients and how can I put that into a bullet point? What happened to me? Um, because I couldn't read a book. I couldn't absorb very much information while you're in grief. So let's do the book as a bullet point. You are so right. The last thing I want to do is pick up a book where it's just got the really small text and it's just chock-a-block full of words. It's like, God, I just can't deal with that right now. But in working through, it's like a little, it's like a, like a workbook, but I love what you said before in terms of sinking into that self-care. It's that opportunity to really give yourself the permission, the time and the space to work out what the next step is for you. I'm guessing like this is great even to do, like do you need to do this after you have experienced something or is this something that you can, can you plan for plan B? Not really. You would do the life plan, but I think it's really important to equip yourself with this is what happens in emergency. Do you know what I mean? It's like, okay, we've all got an emergency, you know, if there's a fire in the building or, you know, a contingency plan if, you know, for our money and our finances, you know, there's a bit of a, you know, safety net for that. It's a, This is our life. 
why, why aren't we equipping ourselves with some knowledge about this is what you you will experience when you get a curveball? So you're ready. And also so many things in there. You might not have stage one, the curveball, but you could definitely pick up stage two, three and four for yourself at any day of the week. Uh, anything that's happening live because it's inviting you to go back and, and get clear. Perfect. Oh, thank you so much for sharing that. And in the show notes, I'll be sharing all of the links where you can get both of Shana's books and get in touch with her because she does great work with people and workshops as well. So that'll be in the show notes. And I think that's a great note to end on, Shana. So thank you so much for being who you are and for all that you do for people and shining the light so that people can work their way forward in their life and also when they do experience some some trauma or some turmoil. Thank you for making the difference that you are in people's lives. Oh, thanks for having me. And, you know, I, I get such pleasure out of writing these books because I, I really think they should be in every home. We are all going to experience curveballs. They could be small, they could be medium, they could be major, but equipping your brain with a beautiful little map, it it just makes the ride so much better and quicker, much, much quicker. So thanks for having me and allowing me to share that information. Thank you for listening to today's episode and I trust that you enjoyed leaning into one of the precious moments shared. I invite you to leave your thoughts as a review in support of this show. You can also share with your network and even rate and review it. I would appreciate that feedback and connection. I'd love to connect on LinkedIn or Instagram via my handle, Julie Hyde Leads. Until next time, live and lead intentionally and make it count. Make it count.